At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Welcome to our church. We're glad that you're here today, and it is going to be good. Welcome uh, to our uh, Back to Church Sunday today, and we welcome you and uh, hope that God's going to bless in a very special way as we worship God together this morning. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, We're glad that you're here today and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. And uh, we would like to invite you to drop by our hospitality table after the uh, service and pick up a gift that we have for you today. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. Uh, There on each row, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. Give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. And uh, but especially if you would like to receive more information by email, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Just be sure to put your email address on there. Uh, That goes out every Thursday, and it's a good way to keep up with the events of our church here. Uh, Speaking of the events of our church, we have some that are coming up. Our Upward uh, ministry begins this week. Practice begins tomorrow with our cheerleading and and, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday with our basketballs, our basketball teams. And so uh, we could could use your help. I know we have some volunteers signed up, but we could use more. Uh, We could use some people just to be here and to offer hospitality in the name of our church uh, to the people that are here. And it looks like we we also still need some scholarship money. We we don't want to turn anybody away. We're not going to turn anybody away that uh, that can't pay. And so we could still use some scholarship money. If you would like to contribute to that, uh, you can do that. Also on Wednesday, we have our regular activities Wednesday night, dinner here at 545. And then uh, at 6.30, our youth and our children uh, will have uh, mission activities, and the adults will have a Bible study. And this week's Bible study will be the church as a royal priesthood. And one more thing I'd like to call to your attention today, and that is on September the 30th, uh, we're going to be having a church picnic uh, right after the worship service. And I know that a lot of times, traditionally, we've had the picnic Uh, later in the afternoon so you kind of go home and then you come back this is going to be right after the worship service on the 30th and so I hope that you could make your plans to be here for that there there will be music and food and games and and uh, inflatables for the kids and lots and lots and lots of fun so I hope that you'll you'll be here for that on the 30th it's great to be here with God's people it's great to see these smiling faces at me And it's great to share the love of God with one another. And so I'm going to invite you to do just that right now. Share the love of God. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
I know there's a lot of kids here today, so come on down, kids. We've got show and tell at Community Baptist today. And why don't you just sit right down here, because i got a lot of stuff to show you. There's still some more coming. All right. Do you ever do show and tell at school? You, you still do show and tell at school. You used to do it when I was your age in school, and that was a long time ago. So that's what we're doing today is show and tell. I'm going to start you off easy, okay? No, you have to stay down there, and I will tell you right now, if everybody participates and is quiet and good, I've got something for you when we finish. Tell me what these things that we have in our hands have in common, please. We have a banana, we have an orange, and I believe we have it on the screen up here so the adults can see. A banana, an orange, a pear, and an apple. What are they? They're all fruits. Very good. Pass that test. All right. We're going to go a little more difficult. There's your one. There's your one. And here's your one. Monty's Joy Juice. It sounds like something Lucille Ball would have Vita Vita Vegemin. What? Monty's Joy Juice, Osmocote, and Miracle Grow. What do they have in common? They're all in bottles. Very good. All in bottles. Anything else you can think of that they have in common? Um, They're all plant fertilizers. They're all plant. What's a plant fertilizer? It makes it grow big. Okay? So that's what those have in common. Let's go to the next one. This is a little tricky. Okay? Think about this one hard. What does this chrysanthemum... and this great value flower have in common? Hmm. Adults may not even know this. Let's see. 
flower and a flower. They're a homonym. Have you learned about homonyms in school yet? Yeah. <laughs> no, you probably too. You will learn about homonyms, though. Okay, that, those are words that sound the same that are spelled differently. F-L-O-U-R, F-L-O-W-E-R, flower. So we use that Osmocote and the miracle Grow on the mum to make it grow. Okay, here's your next one. A cookbook and a Bible. What could they have in common? Let's check on somebody. What could they have in common? They're both books. What else could they have in common? They both have pages. What else do they have in common? They both don't have fairy tales in them. Very, very good. They don't have. Very good answer. Very creative answer. Let's, let's talk about some other things that these two books do have in common. They both tell you how to do things. Both of them do. They tell you how to make a recipe, and they tell you how to live. Okay? So they're both how-to books, they both pr provide directions, and there's a lot of answers in both of these books, okay? So here's my last one. Let's see here. This is one of my favorites. What does that photo, you want to hold it? This really old photo, and this photo have in common. That one at the top up there that the adults are looking at, you know, what, you know who these people are? They're my family, believe it or not. I was so young, I'm not even in this photo. I, I was three months old, and they decided not to take me to my great-grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. But everybody else in my family are there, aunts and uncles, everybody else. So you've got a family photo, I'm sure, like this. Okay, so what is this photo? Any ideas? It's, it's almost as old. It's actually older than this. What about this photo? That's a church family photo from Bennett Memorial Church where I grew up. That's actually my grandmother's Sunday school class on the steps of Bennett Memorial. And then what about this photo? Everybody know who, who's this? That's us. That's all these people out here. That's our church family. That's our church family. Now, you know something really exciting? about our church family, it's not just these people here, it's people around the world that are a member of our church family. So we have people overseas in Europe and Asia and Malaysia. So here's a question for you. Listen up closely. We're almost done. Can fertilizer like Osmocote help humans to grow? You, you would drink this? No, you wouldn't drink that. Now, these may help us to grow, these bananas and apples and pears. Yes, that's good food. And that's healthy food. But what else could we do to grow? What else could we do to grow spiritually to get to know God better? How can we grow? We can come to church. We can go to Sunday school class. We can listen to the preacher. We can read our Bible and pray. We can learn about God doing all those things. And that helps us become strong spiritually. So I have a gift for you today for being so good. Guess what it is? It's a nice, shiny apple. You need to wash them when you get home, so don't eat them. <laughs> Sydney, Sydney says, okay, you've got a loose tooth. Here's your apple. And here's one other thing. Listen up, boys and girls. If you don't have a Bible, come see me after church, and I've got a Bible for you. Okay? If you don't have a Bible, come back here. Everybody get an apple? Okay. Right here. I'll be right here in this chair after church. Thank you, kids. All righty. Thank you. As you can see I've got to make this short and sweet because Kelsey may need some help this morning all right I'm gonna to be totally honest with you all just like I normally am dr. Tim asked me this a week ago for me to talk about let's see what he put down here for me why church is important to me 
Well, just like always, I thought I'd be all prepared and have a speech and, you know, look, I typed it out and then I wrote some notes and then it's like, I sit there and thought about it and I thought, you can't really type this out. You don't know what you're going to say. So this is what I'm going to say. Why is church important to me? Because up as of probably about nine o'clock last night, I was going to call Dr. Tim and say, I can't go up there today. I just can't do it. And this is why. This is why church is important to us. I woke up totally different this morning. Yesterday, there's not one of you that would have wanted to be around me. I'm not kidding. I was trying to wash windows. They were frustrating me. My kids were frustrating me. My husband was really frustrating me. And I thought, I thought, what is wrong with me? Well, then, you know, you wake up on Sunday morning, and this is why church is important to us, because I know all four of my immediate family, my husband, my two kids, will come in here. We'll have kids run up to us and hug us. We will not think about financial pressures while we're here. We won't think about both of us working two jobs. We won't think about mom and pop that are aging. We'll just enjoy the time to think this is what life is supposed to be. I'm not looking at these notes because these notes mean nothing. You have to quit being on pity parties like I was yesterday. And I don't think you'll ever stop being on pity parties because that's just life. But we only have one chance at life. And it's not a rehearsal. It's here. And it took me over 50 years to figure out that our church needs a church family. We need to be here as often as we can. We can't go through this life together. God has a path for all of us. And man, since I've been in this church, has he led me on different paths. He's given me a job here at this church. He's given me another job at Christian Outreach. He's went through, uh, you know, alcoholism with my family, everything. And that's why church is important to me. Now, what's really important right now at 10 after 11, I need to get back there because one of the kids said, what is a Bible? Obviously, we're not doing a good enough job, so let me go back there. Is that good enough, Dr. Tim? Thank you. The scripture this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Awe came upon them because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Amen.
Let us pray. Generous God, the list of things you have given to us and the ways that you have provided for us is endless. There is just no way to name them all. Some we recognize quickly, some we see but take for granted, and some we just don't see at all. Thank you for taking care of us. Forgive us when we are too busy to see your hand or when we are so arrogant that we take your care for granted. But God, we want to not only see your hands, but we really do want to help you help others. So we offer our gifts to you. Help us use them so that when all is said and done, we will hear, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.
Wow, isn't that great? And this is our story, and this is our song. Good morning, everyone. Again, welcome to Back to Church Sunday. And do I have some good news for you. Sociologist studies over the past 20 years show that those who attend church regularly have lower blood, blood pressure, happier outlooks, better marriages, fewer divorces, and longer lives. So you couldn't have picked a better place to be this morning. I want to tell you about this thing called the church. I believe that the church is one of the most misunderstood institutions on earth, and I hope that that you'll leave here today with a, a new, better appreciation for this institution that God loves so much. Napoleon Bonaparte once said that imagination rules the world. And what he meant by that was that people are, more, are often more moved by powerful ideas than they are by charismatic leaders or legislation or brute force. And history bears that out. All throughout the centuries, men and women have expended extraordinary effort for a vision that, that they really believed in. The history of our country is filled with examples of visionary leaders who captured the imaginations of the American people. Thomas Jefferson had a vision for a free, self-ruled, democratic society. Abraham Lincoln had a, a vision for ending slavery and reuniting our country. Franklin Roosevelt dreamed of a, a new, prosperous society. And who can forget Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech that compelled our country towards racial equality. So you see, imagination or vision rules the world. Well, about 2,000 years ago, a carpenter from Nazareth, small town, a guy named Jesus, burst onto the scene with a vision to change the world. And everywhere that he went, he, he inspired the imaginations of people by painting a picture of spiritual and, and relational movement like none that had ever existed before. His teachings so riveted his audiences that they, they would literally travel for miles and miles and miles around under difficult circumstances to hear him tell them about a God who loved them personally. They thronged to hear him teach about a phenomenon that he called the kingdom of God. He explained that this kingdom was, was like a mustard seed which starts out very small, but it grows so big that the birds of the air find their homes there. What Jesus envisioned here was so valuable that he encouraged little children to come to it. He encouraged the poor in spirit to seek it and the rich to be willing to let go of everything that they owned in order to be a part of it. And for three years, Jesus proclaimed the good news of this kingdom. But then, to the shock and to the dismay of every hope-filled follower, he was arrested. And he was mocked. And he was beaten. And he was put to death. Well, you can believe that when that happened, his disciples huddled together in fear and desperation. They had envisioned Jesus delivering Israel from Roman oppression and establishing a political kingdom with him as their king. But now he was dead. And all their hope was dead with him. The thought, they thought that, that the, uh, the vision of his kingdom was gone. All their hopes were washed up. But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and he announced that the kingdom dream that he had been proclaim proclaiming is just as alive as he was. 
He opened their minds to see that the kingdom that, that he had been teaching about for three years was not a political kingdom at all, but it was far greater than that. It was a spiritual kingdom. It was the rule of God in people's hearts. And then about 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came down upon his, his disciples in a powerful way. And this idea of the kingdom of God was, was birthed in a fresh new way. It was powerful. It was compelling. People from everywhere were drawn to it and they called this new movement the church. True to Jesus' vision, the church was, was like nothing anyone had ever experienced before. In that very first church, the people devoted themselves to, to teaching and to fellowship, to celebrating the Lord's Supper and, and, for, and to praying for one another. The atmosphere of welcome and excitement was so electric that a sense of awe and wonder was with them every time they met. The people had such a heartfelt love for one another that they, they willingly sold their possessions and, and gave the proceeds to anyone in their group who had a need. And this new thing called the church was so compelling that the Bible says that the people in the church met together every day. Sometimes they would meet together in the temple for public worship and sometimes in, in homes for more intimate friendship and fellowship. But the best part of the story is that the picture that Jesus had painted rang true. Members of the church ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God for letting them be a part of this movement and they enjoyed the favor of the entire city. That church was so irresistible, so contagious that the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. And folks, let me tell you something. What we read about in Acts 2 is, is how God envisions God's church, not only in Jerusalem, but all over the world, including right here in Henderson, Kentucky. So how does a church become like that original church in Acts? Well, that church pursued five special purposes that can make any church compelling and powerful and influential. And I think that this is what God wants for Community Baptist Church as well. First of all, they committed themselves to authentic community. In the Jerusalem church, people got real. They owned up to their mistakes and, and admitted who they were. They took off their masks. They asked for forgiveness. You see, community can, can be a very powerful thing because God himself designed us to be in relationship with one another. And that's why I love the name of our church. We are Community Baptist Church. How many of you wish that just once in your life you could be a part of a group of people where you were known, where you were loved, where you were served and, and celebrated just for who you are? We all want that, don't we? We all want that. Well, the first thing that the church did was committed to being real with one another. And how did they do that? Well, the text tells us that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, that word devoted is not a word that we use very much anymore. Because, and I think probably the, the reason why is because we all seem to be too busy to be devoted to just about anything, much of anything these days, aren't we? But look at a few lives and you'll see what the power of devotion can do. John F. Kennedy devoted our nation to putting a man on the moon. And as a result, he changed our perception of what is possible. A few years ago, Michael Phelps devoted himself to swimming. And as a result, he has earned a record number of Olympic medals. 
Bill Gates devoted himself to Microsoft and he's earned enough money to cure worldwide, worldwide diseases. He, along with Rotary International, is about this close to wiping polio off of the face of the earth. Billy Graham devoted himself to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that has, and that has led him to travel to almost every nation on this earth. My friends, devotion is a powerful thing and, and the Bible tells us that that early church devoted themselves to each other. And folks, if you put a, a, a church full of people together and, and teach them how to be fully devoted to one another, you will have an organization that can change our community and change even, even perhaps our nation and our world. And you can be a part of that by investing in authentic relationships within the church. The church, motivated by a commitment to one another, has the power to change lives like nothing else here on earth. And the proof of that can be found in the numbers. Community is such a strong force that today there's more, there are more than 2 billion people around our world that are a part of this thing called the church. And a big reason for that is that people can feel loved and accepted in the church in ways that they had only hoped for before. So the first thing that the early church did is that they were devoted to one another. The second compelling purpose that the early church engaged in was that they gave God wholehearted worship. You know, our nation is, is really good at appreciating athletes who have done uh, done great jobs, aren't we? We we do that. You know, you've 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 seen it. Any any time a city wins a World Series or a Super Bowl or a NBA championship or anything like that, fans turn out by the thousands to meet the plane at the where when it lands at the airport. There's often a, a ticker tape parade, and the the president invites them to the White House. So we're really good at at appreciating athletes for their accomplishments, aren't we? Well, here's the thing. Our response to a Super Bowl win is a lot like worship. Now you're thinking, well, where are you going with this? Well, here it is. The Bible says to us that worship is about giving God what God rightly deserves. When there's a winning team that's won the Super Bowl, they deserve a lot of praise. And worship is giving God what God deserves. This idea is found in Romans when it says, For all things exist from Him and through Him and for Him. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. One of the things that made the first church so attractive was that its members all possessed an, an acute understanding that it was God who made them. It was God who gave them breath. It was God who saved them and provided them daily bread. And so they gathered for worship every week. And they gave God thanks. They thanked God for their very existence and for being a part of their lives. And they devoted themselves to worship. The third compelling purpose that the early church committed to was that they took their spiritual growth seriously. I get this from the phrase that says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Every time one of the gifted teachers were, was teaching, they were dialed in. Why? Because in that church they believed that personal spiritual growth was important. Jesus had touched their lives and and wanted to become as and they wanted to become as much like Jesus as they possibly could. Now, I know a lot of people take their golf game really seriously. A lot of people take their bank account or their career really seriously. Yet the most important thing, the most important thing, our relationship with God can often be neglected if we are not intentional about it. And folks, let me tell you something. The church 
is where you can become the best you that you can be. Now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you right now. You see that person? Now, how many of you think that person could be a little bit better? Chicken. Y'all aren't holding your hand, chicken. <laughs> All right, now how many of you think you could be a little bit better today? Yeah. See, those people who held up their hands, they were right. Fact is that none of us have arrived. We all need to grow. And that's why God made the church so that we could be with God and be with God's people and learn about God's ways to learn how to be more like Jesus. The early church devoted themselves to spiritual growth. Now the fourth compelling purpose that the first church pursued was that they invested in in positive priorities. They invested their time and their talents and their treasures in, in what really mattered. And the early church, because they had this sense of community and they had this sense of of gratitude and they had a desire to become more like Jesus, the text tells us that all the believers held everything in common, even selling their possessions and goods and, and giving them to anyone who had a need. Now this shows us something. It shows us that they had control over their finances. Not the other way around. You know, how many times are our finances in control of us? They had control over their finances. And so when a need arose, they not only could meet it, but they got excited about meeting that need. When other members of the church were in need, somebody would sell off a piece of property or dip into their savings. You know what? Most people can't do that these days. And you know why? Because we've spent ourselves out of control. You ever seen that bumper sticker that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go? Yeah. Well, these people in the first church decided that they weren't going to live that way, and they got control of their finances so that they could give to, to positive priorities. And what were these priorities? People. Needs. Things that last longer than a latte. Things that go deeper than a new truck. And don't get me wrong, material things are not bad, but God tells us that the things that really matter and that will really last are the people and God's Word. So whenever possible, we ought to invest in those things. Let me also say that I know that some of you, for some of you, the budget is tight. We're living in a struggling economy and And for many people, you're living from paycheck to paycheck. But it's not just about the money. You have skills and abilities that could be used in this church and that would encourage people greatly. Uh, Frank Knight's out there every week mowing the grass. That saves the church a ton of money. Roger Culver was out there last week cutting down a dead tree. And the week before, he was repairing a door. Uh, Vince and, and Doris have spent many hours and hours and days doing things around here. Jerry Wagner and her hospitality volunteers never disappoint us with a, a good food that, uh, that they prepare when we have a meal or a special event. The, in, the list is endless of ways that people around our church are, are using their talents to make the work of our church run as smoothly as possible. That's investing in eternal priorities. A Christian statesman about a hundred years ago said it like this, there's only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So you see, the church is where our time and our talents and our treasure get invested for eternity. Then finally, one more thing, the fifth compelling purpose of the church It's explained at the very end of our passage in Acts 2.47. It says that as a result of, of all of these things that came before, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were inviting others to join them. 
I mean, after all, who wouldn't want to be a part of something where people were genuine and, and authentic? Who wouldn't want to be a part of something where God got the credit that God deserved and, and where people were becoming more and more kind and, and generous? Inviting people to, a, to that kind of church was easy because the people loved their church. And why shouldn't they? The church is where people get adopted into the family of God. This first church lived in the, the reality that they were entrusted with the message of the gospel, the good news that, that had the power to change people's lives. They had the privilege of telling people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, that they could have a relationship with him. That was their message then. And that's our message now. And we want our church to be like that. And we're committed to working towards that goal. An authentic community of faith. That worships God wholeheartedly. A church that's growing spiritually. That's investing in positive and eternal priorities. A church that it's, that's inviting our family and our friends and our neighbors and our community and the world to become a part of God's family. So here's what we're going to do. Are you up for the challenge? If you've never received the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, your challenge today is to do just that. And it's real simple. One of the main reasons that Jesus came to this earth was to show people that God loves them and that God forgives them for all of the things they've ever done wrong. And it's just up to us to acknowledge that and to receive that forgiveness that has been offered by God. And if you've never received that forgiveness from God and, and asked the, the Spirit of Christ to be the leader of your life, then your challenge today is to do just that. We're going to sing a hymn in a few minutes and, and, and you can come right down here while we sing that hymn, and I'll be glad to talk with you a little bit more about that in private. But what if you've done that? What if you did that years ago, or maybe just last week? Well, whether you've been a Christian for 80 years or for two days, here's another challenge for you. And that is that, that God is issuing a challenge for you to learn to walk with God in this new relationship. And the church can help you do that. And then there's one final challenge for every one of us today. I challenge all of you to make a commitment to be here every weekend you can as we discover how to fulfill our God-given potential by engaging in these five purposes of the church. How many of you think that's a good idea? I think it is. How many of you think we could be a better church if we do that? And how many of you think we could be a better person? if we did that. Let's sing a hymn of commitment. And let's accept the challenges that God's making for you today. And if God is leading you to make a public profession of faith, if God is leading you to join our church, or if God is leading you to recommit yourself to God's church here at Community Baptist, you can do that today by walking right up here and I invite you to do that as we sing together. Hark, the voice of Jesus is calling. And he is. Would you come as we sing?
If you're a guest this morning, I want to encourage you and invite you to come back uh, and join us next week. As I've already mentioned, there are tangible benefits of coming to church. Who who doesn't want lower blood blood pressure and happier outlooks and better marriages and less divorces and longer lives? We all do. And besides all that, um, uh, everybody around here um, uses deodorant and brushes their teeth. and, uh, And we want you back. I have a special gift for you at, uh, for our guests at the hospitality table in, in our foyer there. And so please drop by and, and pick up those gifts. And to reiterate something that I said before, imagination rules the world. And I believe that when Jesus imagined his church, he imagined you as a part of it. And I imagine seeing all of you back here next week. Let's pray. Oh God, even when we resist you, you come to us with your support and your reckless love. You come to us in unexpected ways to reveal your son to us afresh. You come in the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your ever-present love. And now as we leave this place where we have experienced your spirit, let us leave with glad hearts, for you have filled us with your joy. Let us leave with generous hands, for you have filled ours with your bounty. And let us leave with Christ's teaching within our spirits, so that we may minister to those without love and those without hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.